Hi, I'm David Kelly, President and CEO of Chicana Copper. Chicana Copper is a junior explorer uh, exploration company working in Peru. We have a very exciting discovery at our Soledad project. It's high-grade copper, gold, and silver hosted in tourmaline breccia pipes. We put a resource out in January with 191,000 ounces of gold, 11.7 million ounces of silver, and 130 million pounds of copper in a very small part of the deposit. It represents only 15% of the targets to find on the project. So there's huge potential to grow this uh, discovery with additional exploration. And we're happy to tell uh, our listeners about uh, the potential of the Soledad project and everything we've learned about it in the last four years. David, thank you very much for the introduction. Nice to see you again. Uh, we, we spoke just after you put out your uh, first initial resource in January. Um, and so kind of three months have passed since then. Um, and I'm really looking forward to getting an update on, on the company, on the work that you've done since then. Well, thank you, Merlin. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, we've been real uh, busy on the project with uh, geophysical surveys. In fact, today is the day that we're finishing uh, our geophysics. Uh, it's been running continuously for the last six months. We've been running two different types of, of surveys. We've been doing gradient array IP, which is really kind of a, uh, a very uh, rapid mapping technique. It's great for identifying structures. And we've seen this uh, very uh, clear picture emerge on what's controlling the location of these breccia pipes. Uh, with the gradient array. And then we've been following that up with what we call offset IP. It's a form of three, uh, 3D IP. Uh, you basically get a block model of resistivity over a defined area. Um, and so what we've done is to go in and I think we ended up with uh, 35 or 36 individual IP offset IP surveys over discrete target areas on the entire project, the entire extent of the terminal breccia pipe field. And that data um, will be you know, brought in with all of our other data sets, magnetics, uh, soil geochemistry, rock geochemistry, alteration mapping, all of the, the different data sets that we've generated. And we're, that will culminate with the targeting workshop that we're going to have at the end of, uh, end of May. Uh, Goldfields will be participating in that. So we're really excited to get to that point. I'll, um, I'll, I'll come on to the, the, that workshop because that sounds really interesting, but let me just kind of backtrack a bit. The, um, just on the gradient array IP, you say you the the survey has kind of given you a good indication of why the breccia pipes occur where they are, and is that because you can see the play? Does the gradient I, array IP give you a handle on structure, the subvertical structure, and is it at the intersection of structure that you get the breccia pipes or what else? If it's not that, what is the control on the location of the um, well, breccia pipes? Yeah, it is intersections, but it's also just within the along the, the structural corridor. And what you see in the in the gradient array is you see these, you know, red uh, long linear what we call corridors. And we now know that those are structural corridors or you know prominent structures along which the fluids, uh, both the volatiles and the hydrothermal fluids, have altered uh, the rock along these structural corridors. And those are natural breaks in the host lithology that the breccia pipes uh, have erupted up into. So uh, we do see uh, breccia pipes at intersections, but we also see them as long as you're within the corridor, uh, it's game on as far as trying to find uh, breccia pipes within that. Okay, so so, so really what they the, the, what the gradient array IP is gives you the corridor, and then and then you overlay other tools to 
to locate where you're going to drill within that corridor to pick up the IP. And that could be magnetics. It could be solid geochemistry. It could be mapping. They could stick out of the ground. I've said that's a lovely photograph you've got in your presentation of the, the drill rig sitting on top of the breccia pipe. Yeah. So we have to be mindful, Merlin. It's really important for the listeners to understand. We have to be mindful of the fact that the breccia pipes can be blind, completely covered, not even outcropping. Okay. So there's no geochemical signature because they're sitting 100 meters below surface and mm. the, the rock between surface and the top of the breccia pipe is the host lithology. It might be altered, it might be weakly anomalous in geochemistry, uh, but it's not a very obvious target from the standpoint of the other breccia pipes that are sticking out of the ground and you, know, you can walk on and sample and that type of thing. Yeah. And that's why we've been so uh, persistent with our geophysics. And all the geophysics we've just talked about, that's all been designed by uh, the chief geophysicist at Goldfields, who is just exceptional in my, in my career. He's one of the best guys I've ever worked with. And the geophysics we've, we've applied most recently is specifically designed for these Breccia targets. Um, so I'm super excited to go forward and test targets that aren't you know, uh, the ones that are sticking out of the ground. We, we've got plenty of those, and those are really obvious things. Of course, those are going to rank high, and we'll be testing those. But now we've got this tool uh, that we've applied that's going to tell us where these blind targets are, and that's really exciting. Well, the, so you get another, you get another, uh, another um, uh, raft of targets, another kind of section of targets, which are the blind ones, which are um, porphyry and um, breccia pipes, which haven't made it to the surface. When you go on to, how did you choose your areas to do your offset offset um, IP? It, did you go for clusters of breccia pipes? Did you, um, you know, what was your selection? Because you said that that those that offset IP was a, a selective area. It wasn't in, it wasn't yeah. a blanket thing. You were obviously picking patches. You know, what was your rationale for picking the various areas you chose for your offset IP? So first of all, the the first cut was any outcropping tourmaline breccia is going to get an offset IP grid over it. And uh, when we went back and looked at that, you know, we've done very, very detailed outcrop mapping. And if you just take that, that shape file of the tourmaline breccia occurrence, there's 103 tourmaline breccia outcrops on the project, ones you can mm. stand on. Okay. Now that doesn't mean there's 103 individual breccia pipe. That means that there's 103 outcrops. In some cases, you might have three or four outcrops that collectively represent one uh, breccia pipe that's just due to the exposure uh, and other times an individual breccia uh, occurrence reflects an individual breccia pipe. But that was a really important starting point. So we, we covered all of the tourmaline breccia occurrences with, with the offset IP grids. And then we went back to our data sets, uh, the magnetics. We went back to um, uh, the uh, gradient array IP and looked at areas where we had really intense development of, um, of uh, chargeability and, uh, and conductivity and said, well, that's an interesting area, even though there's no outcropping breccia there, that needs to be uh, surveyed uh, in addition to that. So it was really just putting all of our targets on, on the table and then making sure that we covered all what we considered to be the most prominent uh, areas, including these structural intersections you've mentioned, uh, these long linear trends of multiple breccias, like in the Juan Carama area, uh, which you know is multiple breaches exposed at surface. We call it a complex. Uh, we made sure that all of those areas are covered. 
And how how much of the of the area did you actually end up covering? Because you know, 103 outcrops and um, the, the structural yeah. co- corridors and the, the, the you, you you name it. It sounds as if there's quite a lot that was covered in the end by the offset IP. You know, and and did you start off with the gradient array IP? Um, did you do that for three or four months and then have a break, reinterpret, and then kind of go back and then you know uh, just uh, yeah. how did that process work? Yeah, I think it, it was about it, it was about two months of gradient array um, surveying over the entire 12 kilometer uh, square kilometer extent of the tourmaline breccia field. You know, it's about four kilometers by three kilometers. So we cover that in its entirety. And that took about two months. We produced uh, the, the results from that uh, and integrated it with our other data sets and then came back and designed the um, the individual offset IP grids. And there's a really um, a useful map that shows the uh, the gradient array results overlaying with the individual offset IP uh, grids. And I would say probably about um, 50% of the area covered by the gradient array is covered by the offset IP, something like that. Okay, that's, that's, uh, thank you, that's really helpful. And um, we, you talk about resistivity and chargeability. Um, what is the what are the kind of the signatures of these pipes? Are they are they resistive because of the silica? Are they um, are chargeable because of the sulfur, the metal content? You know, what, what are they kind yeah, of the, they, the, the key features? Yeah, so the the, the host rock is resistive, uh, except when it's altered, it becomes more conductive, uh, and then the breccia pipes themselves are very distinct uh, conductive features. Uh, and chargeable features, okay? And that, that has to do with the, the, the sulfide content in, in the breccia pipes. Um, and as you know from your work in porphyry exploration, IP is traditionally uh, designed for detecting disseminated sulfides, uh, like you might have in a porphyry type of system. They're not ide- it's not an ideal approach when you have massive sulfides. And for massive sulfide exploration, like VMS exploration, people prefer to use electromagnetics or EM as the tool. Yeah. And you've seen the drill core. You know, last year we hit a, a 12 meter massive sulfide intercept inside one of these breccia pipes. Um, and so that's that's why we still have a little bit more work to do on the geophysics and it's a, a selectively apply EM in areas where we think we can hit more of this massive sulfide because you know that, that one intercept that we had had 27% copper and 960 grams of silver uh, over that 12 meter, just spectacular, almost pure calcopyrite. So we do have to consider the other type uh, and whether or not our IP is, is reflecting those type of targets, uh, we may have to apply a different technique in that case. You, you mentioned this targeting exercise you've got. Um, you said in a, in a few weeks time, you're gonna um, get, I, I can't remember what you said, you said you're gonna get a bunch of guys together. Is, is that gonna be improved? Is that gonna be in, in Lima? Yeah, we'll spend a day. This this will be done in conjunction with uh, with Goldfields. You know, that's one of the great things about Goldfields. They've not only brought capital uh, to the project uh, to allow us to do the types of things we've, we've been doing, but they brought you know tons of technical resources, including their geophysics team. Uh, they have some very talented explorationists um, and this workshop will be pulling together their team with our team. We'll spend a day at our core facility uh, doing project uh, presentations and overviews, really trying to bring everyone up to a level playing field in terms of our state of knowledge of, yeah. uh, of the mineral 
uh, system and the potential. And then we'll we'll spend two days going through all the data sets. We have 122 defined targets uh, to date. And I think, you know, th with the latest geophysics that's just been completed, uh, you know, that's going to change those numbers a little bit, but it's going to be something like that. It might be 135 targets or something like that. We've only tested 18 of those targets to date, which is, you know, roughly 15%. Um, and from that, we put out that initial resource. So I, I like to refer to this as an initial resource, not a maiden resource, because oftentimes a maiden resource is, you know, a single deposit, you, you, you drilled it out with, you know, sparse uh, drill density, and you kind of have a, a rough picture of maybe what 75% of the potential be. This is clearly not the case. Yeah. Um, we've only tested a, a few number of targets. And so that's why we, we want to really be aggressive on the exploration because we don't want to start in on the development of the project uh, when, when, when such a small portion has been explored. We'd much rather understand the big picture first and see how, how, how much this project and discovery can scale up. And if you've got 122 targets, which you can see from the existing geophysics and from the mapping and the geochemistry, um, and you're doing this kind of, um, let's call it a, a systematic or comprehensive geophysical survey at the moment. Yes, there may be tweaks that can be done in the future with EM, but basically it's a pretty thorough uh, going over you're giving it. What just, just kind of, I would expect you to want to get out of this is for the geophysics to show depth potential and volume growth beneath some of your surface indications. So there might be some blind targets which you hadn't identified mm -hmm. but what I, what I would have thought you'd be looking for is those areas where beneath your um your initial signal you've got a volumetric potential gain so it's and and also the kind of grade potential so it'll be a mixture of grade and tons really what you're hunting isn't it yeah and that's a really good point merlin because if you look at our resource uh that we publish it's on seven breccia pipes okay mm -hmm. And there's three really big pipes in there, Breccia 1, Breccia 5, and Juan Karama. Breccia 1 is actually two Breccia pipes. That's where we initially discovered a blind Breccia pipe and knew that they, they existed and, and, and that had huge implications for the upside potential. So there's two and a half million tons of high grade at Breccia 1. And then there's one and a half million tons at Breccia 5 and one and a half, approximately one and a half at Juan Karama. Uh, and, they're all open at depth, right? We've never seen the bottom of a wretch pipe. So we know that they're going to increase uh, with deeper drilling. But uh, the other four wretch pipes are relatively small. And you and I have talked about this in the past. The mining engineers tell us that they're, they're big enough to mine. Don't worry about that. But from a scalability standpoint, we're not going to add lots of tons with those types of wretches. And yeah. What we're focusing on now, I mean, that was a key learning for us. Okay, we have bigger breccia pipes, we have smaller breccia pipes. Can we differentiate those geophysically? And the answer is yes. We can actually see bigger signatures around the bigger pipes. We have a very compelling target between Juan Karama and Paloma, where those geophysical signatures at surface, you know, coincident with the outcropping breccias in both cases, are actually coalescing at depth as if to suggest that there's a much bigger mega breccia uh, at depth sitting beneath Wankarama and Paloma that is spawning these individual breccia pipe, uh, you know, breccia pipes and breccia pipe clusters coming off of that. And so 
a very uh, big part of our next round of targeting is going to be focusing not only where the breccia is, but where where do we have good indication of larger breccia systems? Yeah. Because if we can start focusing in on these larger breccia systems and maintain the grade, as you mentioned, this thing is going to go into tier one status. That's why Goldfields is here. They fully believe that there's potential for a tier one discovery here. And now we're in a much better position to be able to go out and test those ideas. Now, I've had a quick peek at your corporate deck. And I wonder if you could, um, there was a slide that I was quite interested in. Could you pull up slide 20, please? You'll have to tell me which one that is because um, the, the, the file that I have might be different than yours. But what's the slide? It was the one which um, showed all of the targets. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, not all of them, but it kind of, I think it had most of them on there. Sure. Yeah. You look at, you've got some rocks on your deck, um, on your table behind you. Yeah. Those... I was just, uh, I, I've got a mineral collection that I was curating. I, I have a new cabinet and I wanted to, re in that, if you could, if I just move out of the way there, you see that mineral cabinet there. That's all Peru. That entire cabinet's now dedicated to, to Peru. So excellent. <laughs> it's one of my, one of my hobbies. I love collecting minerals. Good. Okay, so um, just 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 to orientate me once again, so you've got the 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 valley, which is obviously a regional structure, I, I would guess, kind of running yep. southwest to northeast or yep. west southwest to the east northeast. Yeah. Um, and so you divide the property into the northern side and the southern side, either side of that valley. That's right. A, you were talking about a um, Juanca Juanca Rama. Where's that? Juan Karama sits, uh, are you able to see my mouse here? Mark? Yes, yes. Okay. So Juan Karama sits right here. It's all of those red stars are all outcropping breccia pipes associated with the Juan Karama breccia complex. And then this trend up here, this long linear trend here, this is the Paloma trend. Okay. And right in the middle here is where uh, we have the coalescence of the geophysical signatures coming together at depth. And so this, this green star here represents one of our mega breccia targets. It's, it's this idea that uh, these breccias at surface are coming off a much larger breccia system at depth. Oh, I love it. Mega breccia. It's like this, like that it had in the seventies, you had jaws or, and then you, and now you've got the megadon. Uh, so, uh, you know, yeah. first resource was from the breccia. Now we're going to go for the mega breccias. And like, yeah. so you've got a, another, um, uh green star to the north yeah yes yeah two two more there yeah yeah we've always thought that breccia five which is here that's in the resource and breccia six also in the resource we've always thought that these were related to something in in between uh those two areas there's a very prominent structure that comes up here uh and so this this is a key area of interest and then we also have a lot of breaches associated just to the east of breccia five and vein breaches and this type of thing some of this is uh also related to looking at the magnetics data that we have for uh for the project um uh, but those are the three really obvious mega breaches that we've seen to date um, and you know, we have other areas that no, no doubt after this targeting workshop, I think we'll, we'll end up with more of these as well. When you've got two breaches, which you think are linked, um, coalescing at depth, do they, do the breaches have similar, um, mineralogy or it, can you kind of, is it a geophysical connection or is it kind of a um, geological connection that you see that the two, um, 
Brecher styles are so similar, even though they might be whatever that is, 750 meters, 500 meters apart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the, the Brecher pipe, uh, the mineralogy is overall is similar, um, but what's different is the, if the Brecher pipe is exposed at surface, then you know it's been eroded to some extent, right? Now we have Brecher pipes where uh, the very tip of the breccia pipe is exposed. And we know that because the dominant outcrop is the wall rock. It's not the breccia. And then we've right. opened and found the breccia pipe. It's yeah. a completely intact, preserved breccia pipe that was just uh, initially just exposed. And then we have the breccias like with the drill rig sitting on top of it, that's been eroded to some depth. We don't know. Maybe 100 meters has been eroded off of it. Maybe 200, maybe 250. We don't really know how much has been lost to erosion. Yep. So the big difference we see, we see very strong zoning in these breccia pipes. It's basically an epithermal gold deposit sitting on top of a copper deposit in its entire preservation preserved form. Uh, if you've eroded off the top part of the breccia pipe, well, then you're dominantly left with uh, the copper dominant mineralization, uh, much lower levels of you know, gold related pathfinder elements. We get the complete suite of, of, uh, of pathfinder elements, arsenic, antimony, silver. Uh, we get a distal manganese uh, signature that's very distinct. Um, so it's, it, we have to interpret the, uh, the, the mineralogy and the metal zoning in, in that context. Yeah, interesting. Okay, and um, you say that you haven't, um, tested the roots of these systems so one could expect copper down you, you haven't tested the limit of the copper mineralization at depth no we've never seen the bottom of a, uh, a breccia pipe yet we have we've drilled a 900 meter plus holes like at, up at breccia six there's a there's a big deep breccia that sits beneath that skinny little breccia pipe uh that's exposed at surface that's in the resource decent grade uh, but there's a huge breccia that sits beneath that. And that's, you know, we've never seen the bottom of that. We simply deviated out of the side of the breccia and it was still, you know, it was still the same breccia that, you know, that we had seen in much shallower. So we don't know how deep these breccia pipes go. I mean, in Chile, they've been documented down to two kilometers. Uh, my guess is there, you know, our breccia pipes probably bottom out somewhere around, a kilometer to 1.5 kilometers would be my guess, but you know we don't really know yet. As you as you as you mentioned, we haven't really tested the limits of the system yet. So, really interesting. Um, perhaps more of um, kind of geological interest than perhaps economic at this stage, but still interesting. Well, that's correct. Yeah. Um, now, just looking at that map, and um, before we drop the screen, can you just, uh, I, I, you had access problems on the, you had more access to the north than you did to the south. Are you able yeah. to drill? Um, so many questions. Are you able to drill in the south? Where are you drilling in the north? And I can see a mega gold anomaly as well. So yeah. three, three things, perhaps one at a time. Yeah. So let me just explain this black outline here. That's our overall property position. Okay. That that we control through three different commercial agreements. We've zoomed in here to just feature the, the targets. But if we were to zoom out, you'd see a much larger land position. But that land position was built over time. We initially started with about a thousand hectares on the north, the very far north. And then we acquired um, an additional, I think it was about six or 700 hectares immediately south of that, taking us down to the valley bottom. And then we expanded uh, to the south 
uh, in a third agreement. And the way permitting works, we already had an existing drill permit on the northern 25%, the original 1,000 hectares. And by expanding our land position, we then had to expand our permit. Okay. And, and that's just a process you have to go through in Peru. Um, we're fully permitted on the north half from the valley bottom to the north. Uh, there's 84, or it says right there, there's 85 targets on the north side. 18 of those have been tested. It's fully permitted. We could drill anywhere we want on the north side. We're about 60% of the way through the permitting process on the south side. Uh, we have full surface access. We can, all of these targets have been defined by geophysics and mapping and sampling and that type of thing. Uh, the drill permit is expected by the end of the year, and then we'll be able to go and drill test um, the targets on the south side. But what's really important to point out here is on the south side, we do have classic terminally breccia pipes, the uh, Compañero complex shown in the far southwest there. 14 grams gold right at surface in the channel sample on one of the breccia pipes, copper oxide staining on the pipes. We know that we're going to continue the discovery uh, track record on the south with breccia pipes, but also we have this feature that we call the mega gold anomaly, and it is a truly impressive uh, soil gold anomaly. It's one of the most impressive soil gold anomalies I've seen in my career. Um, the heart of the anomaly is about 1.8 kilometers by a kilometer, and it's continuous. It's a totally different type of signature than we see on the north side, which is really each breccia pipe is a point source for generating anomalous soil. So you get kind of this, you know, bullseye type of uh, response. On the south side, this mega anomaly is just this very broad, uh, continuous feature. And I've got yeah, a slide, if you'd yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. Yes, that. please. Let's, let's, let's okay. go to that. Um, okay. Before we get a slide fatigue, let's have a look at this one. Yeah. I've got a great slide that shows the coalescence of the geophysical signatures, too, in the megabretch, if you wanted to see that. But. So, okay. Merlin, this is a slide that talks about the potential on the south. And as I mentioned, you know, we have the classic breccia pipes uh, right there, the photograph in the middle. Uh, that's the Compañero uh, breccia pipe, very similar to the breccia pipes we've seen on the north side. 14 grams gold uh, and a channel sample on the top of that breccia pipe. If you look at the photograph in the center, bottom copper oxide staining on the breccia pipes. Um, so th that part of the discovery uh, uh, track record will continue. Uh, but if you look at the, the, the gold in soil geochemical map on the left side of the slide, you see what I was talking about in terms of this huge soil gold anomaly. It's also anomalous in molybdenum. Uh, we get uh, you know up to 325 PPB gold in the soil. That's a really, really strong soil gold response. Uh, but it's the shape and the size and the uh, continuousness or the continuity of the anomaly that really impresses me. That's in part about a third of that anomaly is uh, underlain by an intrusive rock. It's a granodiorite. Uh, so I, the important thing for the listeners is to understand this is a different target type. This is potentially a huge bulk mineable disseminated copper gold target. Um, it's, it's, it does have breccia pipes within this that have come up through that intrusion, but it's, it's fundamentally a different target type. And so, yes, we have the high grade breccia pipes. We think there's potentially more than a hundred of these breccia pipes on the project, which that in and of itself is huge in terms of if we can continue our discovery success 
rate that we've uh, developed so far and continue to add these high-grade breccia pipes, that's going to be, you know, a, a, a project defining a style of mineralization that you can go after. But in addition to that, we have this geochemical signature, and I, I can tell you the size of that anomaly, that's about the same size as the Purina pit uh, to the north. This is a big, big feature. It's very strong. And uh, after, you know, I'm a geochemist by training. I've been doing this for a long, long time, and that's that's a very impressive anomaly. Thank you. When, when you look at the southern side, the the... the morphology just from the photographs i could see the morphology of the of the of the hillsides looks very different to the to the kind of the more perhaps more rugged terrain of the on the northern side and is that the the expression of the granodiorite coming through is it kind of a kind of this relatively homogeneous monolithic um geology yeah it, exactly the, the the intrusive rocks are much less resistant to erosion you know the breccia pipes themselves generally if the erosion has gone down to that level, they express themselves as some kind of a geomorphological uh, feature. Uh, whereas the, the granodiorite is, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a slightly porphyritic medium grained granodiorite, which erodes fairly uh, recessively. So that's why there's so much soil developed on the, north, on the south side, the north facing slope of that south side. Uh, and it's why there's not much outcrop there. So, mm. You know, in reality, geochemistry was the best way to explore that part of the property because there's very little outcrop to go off of. And presumably you'll have some drill holes going into that gold anomaly during the course of next year. Uh, yeah, the, the, the plan, uh, since we have so many targets on the north side and, and we've got a great start to developing a high grade resource on the project, uh, and we have full permanent, full full access. The, the, the plan this year is to go drill 10,000 meters on the north side, testing as many as 20 new targets. You know, we're not going to go back to any of the uh, targets we've already tested. It's all going to be new exploration. And then we'll finish the permit for the south side. And then, you know, 10,000 meters of exploration drilling on the south side in 2023. And we think at the end of 2023, that's when we're going to know how big this project can scale up. Is it going to be a tier one discovery or a really nice tier two discovery? We certainly will have more uh, resource potential uh, to add to what we've already uh, generated, which I think is significant in and of itself. Those the, the kind of grades that we have, including zones with massive sulfide that's 90% calcopyrite, um, you know, th this is a very, very special project, but really what our number one investor, our biggest investor in Goldfields wants to see is how, how can this project scale up? Could this be a Goldfields type of uh, size of a, of a discovery? Uh, yeah. And so we're going to, we're going to do everything we can to answer that question. And just very simple math. So I know you said you, you, you might not do as many as 20, but if you did do 20, you're looking at about 500 meters per, uh, per target. And typically when you go into these things, do you put in kind of one inclined hole of 200 meters? And if it's good, then you put a second one in kind of at, of 300 meters. Is that basically what you? Yeah, we, we do that. You know, it depends on the, the, in each individual target area is a little bit different with access and uh, proximity to, uh, you know, multiple platforms. And, uh, and, and ideally you, you, you can come across from two different directions to try to get some fuel for the extent. We're trying to really back off on the amount of uh, meters per target because we have so many targets. 
we, we need to really be disciplined. And one of the important learnings that came out of our initial resource estimate that's now published in the 43101 report was uh, how much, you know, how many meters do we need to test a target? And then once we've made a discovery, how many meters do we need to drill it out? And we've, we, we know we can get away with a lot less meters, which spreads the drill budget over a broader area, testing more targets. Uh, so that's that's the goal that we have now is to be more disciplined, try to get each target tested with as little as 500 meters. Uh, if, if it's mineralized, then we can move on because what we can do now, Merlin, with the, the benefit of having done the resource estimate, we can look at it in really simple terms and it could be as simple as this. OK, we have about seven million tons, seven breccia pipes. Um, and we have 120, we think we have over a hundred breccia pipes. Okay. So if we yeah. got 7 million tons, roughly 650,000 ounces gold equivalent out of the seven breccia pipes. Uh, if we go and, and explore, uh, a hundred breccia pipes and we have a 50% success rate, which is about where we're at, yeah. you know, we potentially could have 50 million tons of high grade breccia mineralization based on the type of mineral uh, breaches we've already discovered. Now, what if we hit mega breaches? What if the breaches coalesce into much bigger bodies and we can maintain that same grade profile? Well, that's where the mass starts to really go crazy because you start thinking, well, if you could get 50 to 100 million tons of this high-grade mineralization in the setting that we're in, an active mining district with great access and infrastructure, uh, that's that's where this project gets really exciting. Um, yeah, I like the logic. It's um, th that makes perfect sense. Obviously, what you what you want to be doing, and it comes back to your targeting exercise, is getting a handle on the on the the biggest volume closest to surface. Yeah. So so the the, the 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 larger the target is, the better the grade is closer to surface. It's all that's going to do is improve your vertical your ounces per vertical meter, which is a kind of a key calculation really on your on the numbers of development you've got and the ounces per vertical per meter you want to have as few developments as possible with the most yeah. amount of ounces coming out in the shortest amount of time peru 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 it gets it gets um uh it gets getting mixed headlines i mean i i often hear that it's the um you know the, the people that know it say it's still a mining country it'll always be a mining country it's such a huge contributor and then then from the outside you um, here's some kind of eyebrow raising stories. So can you just kind of give us an update of what you're seeing and feeling in Peru at the moment? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we're, we're very bullish on Peru. Uh, you, you know, we know that it's a mining country and it's going to remain a mining country. Um, and I say that because it's currently number two in the world in terms of copper production. It's number one in Latin America for gold. And all the big players are there, right? It's it's a well-established mining industry that underpins the economy of Peru. It's really what's what's pulling uh, Peru through the pandemic right now, uh, because tourism is still way down, agricultural production is still way down, but mining uh, continues to pull its own weight. So um, I think I think that's going to continue, but there's no doubt there's going to be bumps in the road. We're seeing those bumps now. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I hate to see those those headlines as well. Um, I was very encouraged to see that uh, Newmont is being very bullish on their view of Peru. You know, they bought out Buenaventura and Sumitomo uh, at Yanacocha and they're working on 
a plan to invest $2 billion in their Yanacocha sulfide uh, project that includes uh, the ability to process uh, refractory sulfides. That'll be really important for the country uh, to move into that state. That's basically going down the path that Nevada went down, right? The ability to handle those complex ores uh, it requires lots of investment. Uh, they have the expertise. Uh, they're bullish on Peru. So I think that's a really good uh, sign. If you're looking for an indication that uh, Peru it does have a, a bright future, I think that's a good one to look at. Thank you. That's that's a really useful reminder, kind of a concrete real world example of, yeah. of, of big money going in. And in terms of permitting, um, you, you know, you just, just a simple thing you said, um, you're, you're going through your drill permits. Is, is it the same process that it always has been with kind of the co public consultation and just it just takes time and it's a process? Or is, is the institution, are the institutions you're dealing with reluctant to make decisions because of uncertainty in the kind of political sphere above them? Yeah, it did, nothing has changed in that regard. You know, we, we just got our observations, uh, which is part of the process. You submit a permit. And they, they, they send back to you a list of observations of things they want to address, uh, things related to uh, mostly environmental related things, source of water, uh, containment of uh, drill fluids, um, yeah. size, of, size of platforms, uh, that type of thing. And you, you go through, and we just got those back uh, within the timeframe that we had expected. So nothing has changed in terms of the regulatory environment. Uh, it's all still the same. Uh, we're getting response from the ministry. Uh, we're advancing the project on the on the Gantt chart time schedule that that we've planned out for uh, for it. It is slow. It always has been slow, and that's been my biggest frustration with Peru. It's a very bureaucratic process, you know. But at the same time, I think uh, Peru has a very good environmental framework for uh, for mining, including early exploration stages. Some people get frustrated. It does take a long time to get your permit, but part of that is because they are paying attention to the environmental impact of exploration at an early stage. And I think that's overall is a good thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're moving that along. If, if we didn't have targets to drill on the north side, I would be really stressed out right now, right? Because I'd, yeah. I'd be saying, you know, we've, we've got to bide our time until we can get down there. But we have these 85 targets on the north side, uh, including these three mega breccia uh, targets. Uh, and, you know, finding high grade next to the high grade you've already found, that just adds greater value right off the bat. So um, I think if you, I, I, I don't know of another exploration discovery story uh, that's producing high-grade results like this, that has the upside potential that we have. Uh, this is a really, really special discovery. And as you and I have talked, you know, tourmaline breccia pipes, okay, those are a little bit different. Um, yeah. Not everybody knows about those. And, and in and of, in, in that in itself, I think is exciting because this is, we're pioneering some, uh, a lot of new things in this discovery. There's plenty of examples of tourmaline breccia pipes. We've got a global uh, compilation of all the tourmaline breccia pipes uh, systems and they're, they're highly variable. Uh, but they they are very important ore systems, and we're we've got the tiger by the tail with this one, and uh, it, it has a lot more to give. I'm certain of that. Um, I me too. Um, let's just in terms of granular detail, or perhaps I mean, you know, thank you very much for the for the update. I've got a much better idea of, of what you're up to and and, and how the 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 project is is developing. 
um, just in terms of kind of key milestones to look out for, you've got your um, workshop in May. I, I hope you're going to produce a nice uh, press release and report um, that, that, that gets disseminated. But when, you, when do you expect to start drilling? What are the kind of the other key decisions and, and milestones for 2022? So the plan would be to start drilling in June. We pushed that a little bit, bit back. The workshop got pushed back a little bit with the completion of the geophysics. Um, so we've just finished geophysics today. Uh, we've got, you know, basically four weeks to prepare all the uh, the data sets for the targeting workshop, which will happen at the end of May. Um, and then we'll start drilling in, in June. And uh, on the north side, the permitting work that we're doing is full throttle. We're working hard to get uh, to advance that. Uh, I'm confident we'll have the drill permit for the south side this year. And so that's why we've planned for 2023 to be drill, drilling, uh, exploration drilling on the south side. Uh, we likely will initiate some resource drilling on new discoveries that happened this year on the north side so that we can start advancing, you know, the, uh, the, the resource, uh, uh, revised resource estimate for the future uh, based on new discoveries. But that's really the key thing. Two years of hard exploration north-south. At the end of 2023, we'll have a very clear understanding of the scale and kind of the development uh, design that you could take on this project uh, going forward. We know that high-grade uh, breccia pipes uh, will be part of the story. We're very excited about this giant, you know, disseminated copper gold uh, target on the south side um, yep. and, and what it could add. So, uh, you know, the next two years are really key for this project. Great. Thank you very much. Um, if I was to summarize that, it would be exploration in the north side this year. Um, next year, it would be exploration in the south side and kind of infill drilling or kind of de-risking your, the, the tons you found on the north side during the course of next year. That's um, correct, yeah. Great. Well, um, Thank you very much and uh, good luck. And I, I look forward to seeing the, the results of that um, geophysical targeting exercise. And um, I'm sure that'll come up with a, uh, a series of targets that you'll be able to you'll be keen to announce to the market. So I look forward to seeing those when they come out. Absolutely, Marilyn. Thanks for your interest.